My name is Mikhail Bashtiks, and this is Aesthetic Podcast, where we talk about design and brand building. In the second part of this series, we continue our conversation with David Hooker, brand lead at Printify. In this episode, we talk about the visual identity upgrade, agency selection process, and how to structure the implementation phase of your new brand. You're in the process of doing a, a, a visual identity rebranding or brand overhaul. Uh, can you maybe give us a quick run through the main st steps, you're, how you're approaching this from like the first idea when you started working there and you already started sharing like that the, the brand change and shift started already way, way, way back and not with the visual part, but some messaging and some brand positioning. But now that you've come to the point that you decided to do a visual brand identity change, like how did you approach that first internally and then step by step to, to where you are now? So the first thing I would say was I knew I wanted to upgrade the visual identity of where I work now at Printify, but also at my previous uh, um, jobs before I worked there, right? Honestly, like you, I, the recruiter reached out or I saw the job ad and then I go, and I said, I'm like, okay, yeah, this needs to, up, this needs to be better, mm -hmm. right? Like this, this needs to be, I, I genuinely think that if a company that had a beautiful visual identity came to me and said, hey, David, we want you to be your brand, I don't think I'd go for that. Like, well, it's not, it never actually happened, but like if it did, because... Need the, a challenge. Well, and also the process of doing it is the fun thing, mm -hmm. right? Working out what that emotional value is for people. The, the process for me is the, is the enjoyable part of it. So it started before I even worked there, mm -hmm. right? Like, like this, this has product market fit. Clearly it has a user base that's into it. We can do stuff to make this better, right? Like, you know, kind of I want to over, overhaul it. So then it's all of that stuff that we talked about before, like finding out, uh, you know, what the, the users actually, you know, are emotionally attached to and want. That will differ from what you think as you go in. It did for me in the places that I've been, right? It slightly differs. You work out what it is. You create this brand story, this ideal of what your company should be standing for as a, as a platform, what the brand should be, what it believes in, what it likes, how you think it should kind of generally look. You've done your micro experiments with your copy to see how that would do. You've changed images here and there. You've been able to prove success. You've done everything you can up until that, that visual upgrade, knowing that that's the last kind of big step that you, that you need. Uh, and then, you know, you're going to have to have a meeting somewhere with the senior management team, right? Because the, the great thing, but also the, the curse of branding is, is that it applies to everyone, right? So you know, your heavily invested engineer who works on the back end of your product, who's been there for three years, whose work doesn't touch visual identity at all, cares about the visual identity. And you cannot be so arrogant as to be like, you have nothing to do with this. I don't need your opinion. Like you can't, like you will not succeed as the brand person within your company if you don't care about how people care about your brand. So you have to have a, at some point, you know, a, a meeting where you look, I've done this, I've done that, I've spoken to these people, I've done this, I know that this messaging is going to work. I need a visual identity that goes with this, because what we have at the moment doesn't, right? And it doesn't for this reason, it doesn't for that reason, and it doesn't for the other reason. There'll also be, almost inevitably, 
practical um, benefits from choosing the new visual identity. Things like uh, you'll have, um, like let's say images, right? Like photography, that's gonna be a part of your brand. Like the, the photography that we have at the moment is limited. It doesn't allow us to produce this many ads. We have to repeat things because we can't find good quality images. We need to, as part of our visual upgrade, go out and get ourselves 250, 500, 1,000 different photos. Doing that is going to allow us to just produce you more stuff quicker. Our designers will be able to like go get an image. Like I'm sure you, as a creative person, spend far too much of your day looking for an image, right? Yeah. It's, it's an incredible, I've, I sit with designers even now and you're like, you're going, mm, well, that, nah, not that one, try that one, nah, no, no. It's, and, and it's just because you're a, a designer who's, you know, and you're a wonderfully talented person, doesn't mean you can find that image necessarily all that much faster. Like perhaps you might have seen, you might be a bit faster than someone else, right? But not massively. So. That's a practical thing, right? Having those pictures practically allows me to be faster. And there'll be several of those. That's just one example. There will be several places where the new visual identity, once you've done the hard work of getting it in, will then make you faster later. Yeah. So you also bring that to play. You bring that to the table and go like, not only is it gonna work better, but we're going to be able to iterate faster than we're able to iterate now. This plus this plus that, the, the effectiveness of the messaging, the the consistency and professionalism, plus operationally we will be better, means that we need to do this thing. And you'll get sign off on it, hopefully. You know, fingers crossed, right? You're you're even though your executives or your founders are more kind of analytical, number-driven people, they'll see the value in it and they'll give you sign off to go do it. So that that you do before you start. Absolutely, the don't don't yeah. go start talking mm. to agencies before you've got buy-in with everyone. How often do you involve the whole team uh, during the process? Do you do a big reveal just once it's finished, or you do like some? I bring the people that I need and can inform it in as we're doing it. Mm -hmm. You can't possibly show every single person every little thing you're doing, every micro sure, decision, sure, yeah. like. But you bring the people you need who are f closest to the customers in wherever you can. Um, for me, for example, I showed a lot of what we did to our community team because they speak to the customers every day. Mm -hmm. Do going, you show some part of the process yeah. to the community as well? Yeah, like the mean, power users? or Yes. Yes, and potential power users. We, we didn't do that until we had the sign-off, right? So we, we've, got, we've got the sign-off and then we're going to go do these things. And then you're, you know, by the time you're working with either your design agency or if you're doing it in-house. Previously at Travel Perk, we didn't use an agency. We, we did it in-house. But we carved out a team that worked on that and nothing but that, right? I was like, you, you, and you work on this and mm -hmm. nothing else. And they become your agency, effectively. And then when they're doing that stuff, you show bits of it to forward-facing customer teams that you think it's relevant mm -hmm. to or, or users, uh, you know, power ones or whatever, whatever it may be. And you commonly you show them the stuff that you're struggling with or you're torn over, right? Some decisions will be really, really simple, right? Like uh, you're going back to photography, that's often a common one, right? Like mm -hmm. our users are this old, they're from this place, they look like this, right? So we just need photographs. Like you're mm -hmm. not going to struggle with that decision, right? It, yeah. You'll make struggle to find them, but you won't struggle to actually decide what it's going to be. But something like a logo or a color, 
it's a very individual choice, right? It's it's very subjective. Mm-hmm. So you might have a couple of options you're going for, a couple of directions you're going for. That's the point at which you bring in that outside opinion and you go, that way or that way? Mm-hmm. And they'll go, ooh, I like this way. And you, you know, you do it more than once, you do it to 10, and like you're, if you've got a consistent pattern. Mm-hmm. If you've got five that way and five that way, it's just like, then don't know, choose the one you like the most because yeah. you, you're the one who's going to have to work with it every day. But if you see like, you know, seven or eight are saying that I prefer that option, okay, that's the option we go with. Mm-hmm. Once you get the sign-off from, from the team and from the stakeholders, then you start working and selecting the agencies. Yeah, so I've done it the in-house way and I'm, mm. I've done it uh, the agency way. Um, both have their benefits. Um, you, ha- you must have a strong internal team to do it yeah. internally. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, at, at Travel Park, we, were, we had a, a really, really super talented, experienced from an agency art director so he'd, he'd worked for a long time in agencies mm-hmm. so he effectively was that person so um you know we didn't have a selection process because he was, was, was uh, fast, uh, yeah it was fast and he was already with us but that was fortunate to have like uh, mm-hmm. such a person uh, with with that experience you, you you probably won't have that person already in-house and existing with you right and, so, and i have a problem of bad brand so yeah. usually if you have that person you you're yes yeah yeah it. that was a, a little bit of a unique sequence of events of, uh, you know that, that came together commonly you are going to have an agency and agencies are great agencies are, are great well, great agencies are great, bad agencies are not great, but great agencies are great because they bring you uh, that little kind of fresh outsider perspective. Mm. They bring you a whole pile of creativity. Uh, mm. And also commonly they'll have a bit more time to go speak to the users that you perhaps yeah. haven't been In able to speak term. to yourself. And, and they can ask questions that perhaps you're a little afraid to ask yourself mm. in case of what the response you, the response you get for them. Um, so yeah, like you, you sign off first before you go talking to or carving out your in-house team. Mm. Sign off first, one hundred percent. Yeah, then then go then go speak to speak to agencies, um, which you know honestly for me is the fun part, right? Like mm. um, uh, you have to have some process though about how you choose them. Yeah, um, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so for for us, the way that we did it most recently was. Um, like we i knew that we would have to choose uh, an agency based on like the resources and experience that we had in-house plus the scope of the project that we wanted to do printify is a very visually complex platform more so than other companies i've worked at before because we have a website and we have a a, a, a right. product but in between that we have a catalog which is part product and part uh, acquisition website thing right the, with seo implications yeah. and all of that stuff so it's a huge challenge operationally and visually so i knew quite quickly we're going to need outside help with this because there's elements of it that that we're doing right now that we don't even have a ton of experience in doing even though we're actually doing it right now so we're going to have to go find an, a- an agency that became quite apparent and quite clearer. And so even before I got the sign off, I have people mm. like popping up on, on my Slack or into my inbox going, David, when you do come to use an agency, I've got a recommendation or I've seen these ones or whatever. So, honestly, so you had a good list already. Well, I had 
I didn't have a list. I had, I know, seven or eight emails from people somewhere that had dropped something. So what I actually did was like, look, guys, I've got the sign off. Here's a sheet. If you've got an agency, drop it in. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, not the whole company, but like a good portion of the company, I said, like, you know, off you go. And we ended up with a long list of 70 different names, mm. like 70 different agencies. So uh, our art director and I went through those 70, and then I went through them with a the criteria. For us, it was they have to have done uh, a digital product platform SaaS company. They must have that experience. Mm -hmm or in the portfolio that we can see on the website. Like they might have it hidden somewhere else, but you know, um, yeah. we don't have time to ask all of them that. And they'll, yeah. and every agency you go ask for that, they'll find it somewhere, right? Or kind of like, oh, well, we have mm. this and like, so. so. A quick interruption. What was the uh, the way you valued it? Was the website or social media? Like the how portfolio, did you, like which just is. Domain, just domain, common, just Commonly that's on the website. Sometimes it's on the Instagram feed, like which every agency will have these days. But I you look at those two things. So I'm looking first for like in your portfolio, have you done something in that, in that space? Second thing that uh, we look for honestly is like they have to communicate in English. So do they have good English on their website, yeah. right? Like the, the, that was the, uh, the other thing. Uh, we looked at uh, the logos that they had in terms of who they worked with. You know, are these uh, forward-facing brands that we think have produced good quality stuff, mm -hmm. right? If they've got obscure brands that we've never heard of, it probably kind of mm -hmm. takes you off of the list. So we quite quickly, look, quite quickly took that list from 70 something to 20 something, mm -hmm. like quite quickly, like just an afternoon, me and the art director sat down yeah. going, nope, nope. Oh, yeah, yeah nice, in you go. Mm -hmm. So then we have your, your list of say 20 or so. Um, I then uh, did outreach to, to, those, to those 20. How does that look? Just like hitting up an email? And yeah, I, I mean, if you're an agency, every agency has a contact page, right? Yeah. And they have a contact form or they have an email, right? Uh, personally, I, I prefer an email over a form because your form, you can never quite get what you want in there. Like, yeah. So like if, if agencies are listening to this podcast, put an email, forms are annoying. Um, so yeah, then I email, I mean, email off with, with a brief description of what we're doing. I don't give them the whole and definitive mm. brief now, but like uh, I can send them off an email saying, look, this is who we are. This is why we're great. This is what we're, we're, we're looking to do. Are you interested? Mm. Right. And if they don't respond reasonably quickly, that kind of takes yeah. them off. What the was list. the time like the, from the fastest to the, like when you're stopped waiting? Oh, you'll get some that will reply to you the same day, mm -hmm. like for sure. And, and like if they're taking more than a week, yeah, of course. Honestly. That's that's the snail mail thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you'll forgive some who, who like you send the email and you get an out of office. Mm -hmm. You're like, okay. And also, honestly, as you've taken your seventy to twenty, as you go through the that twenty, you'll have your favorites, mm -hmm. right? You'll have ones that you say, oh, I love the stuff that they did. So you'll also, honestly, you're having some that you hope reply, mm -hmm. yeah. right? Like, and some that you're like, oh, if they don't reply, then fine, like w whatever. You'll also have some who weren't on your highest up of your list based on the portfolio, mm -hmm. but they are really attentive and respond mm -hmm. really quickly. Who they kind of promote themselves mm -hmm. up that up that list a little bit because the this is where quality of the work that they do 
with the quality of service they provide start to become mm -hmm. equally important factors, yeah. right? You can have absolute visual geniuses who produce wonderfully created, like, I don't know if you've ever heard the story about the Korean Air uniform. No. I forget the name of the designer, but it's a super famous Italian designer. It's like Armani or Gucci, but it's not one of those, yeah. but like a super famous Italian designer. And Korean Air you know, the airline wanted to overhaul their their brand and in particular their, their cabin crew's uniform. Mm. And uh, they gave this guy the brief, right? And like, on you know, I, I used to live in South Korea and like South Korea working culture and like Southern European working culture different are thing. really different from <laughs> each other. So, you know, they gave him the brief or whatever. They paid him up front to do this thing. And then he went silent for months on end. Right. And they're all like super worried, like, where is it gone? Where is it? And then, you know, one day he was like, okay, I'm done. Right. You know, weeks behind where he was supposed to be. Like, and then fortunately, they love the thing. Right. Like, but for me, that tortured, uncommunicative genius thing, no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's too risky. It's too stressful. I can do that. So, you know, we were looking for people who are communicative collaborators who we can work with. So how quickly people are coming back to you starts affecting where, you know, you kind of have them on your rankings. Do you had, did you felt any differences or similarities between like really, really big international companies and like small studios? Yes. So because actually when we were putting together our criteria of how we're going to choose this mm. agency, one of the things for us was the yeah we'll go talk to you as a as a big agency and like we'll receive your but if we feel that you're not dedicating time to us then we consciously wanted an agency where we felt it was as important to them as it is to us mm -hmm. because we want that kind of sense of urgency and like desperation a little mm -hmm. bit like we we I, we like that and we wanted that and i'm skipping ahead a few steps here but we did have one so just, just to go back a little bit like on, on when you're selecting them, some will rule themselves out with their price, right? Mm -hmm. So we've got that list of 20. Some rule themselves out by not replying quickly enough. Mm -hmm. Some rule themselves out by replying to you. And I like to bring up the price now-ish, mm -hmm. right? Of saying, look, you know, these are all the, you know, these are kind of the things we want to do. This is our rough timeline. What's your ballpark figure? Yeah. Right? Like, don't tell me a precise figure because I haven't even given you the brief yet. But I want to know your ballpark figure mm -hmm. so no one wastes each other's time. Yeah. Right? Like, it's like on job listings, sometimes these days you get, you know, the range for this position is between X and Y. Mm -hmm. Right? And, like, it allows you as an applicant, okay, I want, you know, more than that. That's not enough. Yeah. Right? And, you know, of neither course. party wastes their time. So we got the ballpark figure and, you know, honestly, there were some that their ballpark figure was like, whoa, no like, thanks. <laughs> do you, like, what's the scopes? Like 5X, 10X from like the, 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 like, in the terms, like in, the big, big players, like their charge. Like, in terms of how much we had to spend and the highest number I was quoted, that was 10X what we had to spend. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's quite a difference. Yeah, yeah. It's a massive mm -hmm. difference. Also, honestly, we ruled some out by they, their budget was too low, mm -hmm. right? They, oh, came to, cool. they came back to me with a number. It was two agencies. They came back to me with a number and I was like, guys, you, you haven't properly read what I've asked you to do because mm -hmm. if that's how much you're going to charge, you can't live off of that money, yeah. right? That's not, uh-uh, mm -hmm. nope. So both <laughs> yeah. directions are... Both, that, you know, your people, we have people who underbid and people who... And actually, you know what? The, the people who charge that 10x huge number... 
they were actually really nice about it. Like, like I, I had uh, with one of the really big, big agencies, like I'd filled in the form, I had the thing back. We had uh, the biz dev person there, um, sales person, I guess she was, put 15 minutes on my calendar and she was like, hey, David, really like what you did. Love your company and your brand. This is a space I think you're at. You're like doing this for the kind of the first time. You need an agency to help you with this. Uh, and you probably have a budget of about this. And I was like, yeah, 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 you, you've got that right. Yeah. We work with companies who are looking for this, they're that, this is their third or fourth rebrand, and we charge them this much for it. And that's way too much for you, right? And I was like, yeah. She was like, thought so. In that case, my recommendation is for you to go speak to this agency and this agency. I think they do really great work in your space. We've only wasted 15 minutes of each other's time, hopefully. this And, and, and she was like, you know, when you're on rebrand four, come talk to me. So they were, you know, like super, super nice about it. Wow. That, but that's professional. Yeah. You, yeah, even yeah. Like as a rejection. That's, uh... <laughs> yeah. 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 It was, yeah. Yeah. You know, like it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, a nice way to do it. So now your list of 20 for us became uh, a list of six. Mm -hmm. Right. And we had a nice mix in there of big, small boutique uh, because we're a printing company right, who's producing physical, tangible objects. We mm -hmm. wanted companies who we thought had experience of physical, tangible things. So we had a nice balance of agencies who we felt were digital first and ones who were physical, physical first. Mm -hmm. So we had this nice balance between the two. Yeah. We had ballpark figures that we knew that we could work. We had some on the expensive range, some on the cheap range. And like, you know, so at this point, I'm also able to go to senior leadership, like it's going to cost between this and this, and it's going to mm -hmm. take between this and this. And, you know, we're speaking to agencies. Then you get tighter and stricter about what you're going to do. Then you need to hand off the brief to people. Mm. I try to make that brief as detailed as I possibly can, right? That whole brand story that I've talked through, our experimentation that we've done, everything that we know about our, our users and our user base and their emotional mm. value and all of that stuff, because I've got it all, right? It's Why useful. not share it here? And it's a useful exercise for me to actually put it into a pitch deck, right? Mm. To, to share that with, with people. It's not a secret, right? Like this is who we are and this is the direction mm -hmm. we want to go in. I think we made everybody sign NDAs anyway because my legal department's really stringent. Yeah. Easy, just get NDA, send it, sign it. It doesn't take any, any time at all. Make that brief as detailed as you, as, as you possibly can. And then for me, like invite people to come pitch. Uh, you need to know who they're going to pitch to, right? You don't make that meeting too big. I think it's a mistake that I've made and I've seen other people make previously. It's like, let's have, you know, let's have the agency come pitch to 20 people. And uh, I think the group that we had was seven or eight, maybe mm -hmm. definitely no more than 10. Mm -hmm. And key stakeholders uh, across, like you're going to get a lot of people who want to be involved in your brand process, who you probably really want to involve in your brand process, but you just... Like if you have too many voices in the room, you'll never come to yeah. a decision. So for me, it was like, who are the key stakeholders who, who are going to be responsible for the work that's delivered? So for us, that's our head of, uh, it's our art director, it's me, it's our head of product design. Mm -hmm. uh, it was our head of product presentation, which is the people taking the photography of, of the physical products we have to produce. It's the CMO, who's, who's my boss. Uh, it was uh, our video lead because he'd historically been a person who'd been at Printify for a long time and is also a creative and a strong creative voice and our head of acquisition, 
because he's the numbers guy, right? Like, so you need to bring that numbers guy kind of uh, thought process. That's your committee. I worked with the agencies to tell them these are the people on the committee. This is what they like. This is what they don't like. And then uh, I really took the opinion of when the agency comes and pitches to my team, I want, because we got it down to six, Mm -hmm. right? I want six amazing pitches. I want this decision to be really hard Mm -hmm. for them. I want them to sit through six enjoyable pitches. So anything I could do for the agency to increase their chances of delivering a pitch that was great, I did it. Mm. And And I said to them all, look, guys, I don't have anything more important to do than this. This is my most important thing. I want you to do well. If you've got a question or an idea or whatever, throw it at me anytime, day or night, wherever it may be, because when you come to pitch to these people, I want you to knock it out of the park, right? I want this, I want this to be hard. Mm-hmm. So I did that. I do some cunning kind of devious little things as well, because the brief became quite long. And I think it was like 50, 60 slides that, that was on our brief. And you know, I linked out to research, for example, right? Like I talked about our users and da, 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 and I would have a link at the bottom of it. So like for more, go here. And if you didn't click that, like they kind of tell them why you didn't read that, right? We had, we had a big agency, I won't say their name, but we had a big agency that we were super excited about, right? Like a couple of people on our committee were fanboys of this agency. And they were like, oh, they're going to pitch. Oh, wow, this is, this, this is, this is incredible. But I was conscious of the fact that they don't really need our business, mm-hmm. right? Like, so are we going to get really like, and all of those links, there's like two or three links I put in the brief that linked out to further information. They didn't open a single one of them. How did you check that? Uh, because you need the, because it was a Google Doc and you need permission, right? Mm. So if I got an email from someone saying, hey, David, I can't access this document. I don't have permission. Okay, right. You've at least tried to look. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the, the big agency didn't do that. You know, because... I don't want to criticize them. They do, they do wonderful work, work, but they're a company of our size. Their business is not going to make or break them, yeah. right? It's, it's, you know, I think it honestly was someone at the agency thinking, oh, I like this. It's kind of cute. It could be fun, you know, like, a, like when a lawyer chooses a pro bono project almost, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, I believe in this case, so I'm going to take it on type thing. Yeah. But I think that they, you know, it wasn't mission critical for them. And I really wanted to have an agency that we felt that it was kind of really, really mission, mission critical. So yeah, I laid a few traps mm-hmm. within the brief, um, which was, uh, I guess, quite sneaky. And then, and then we had people come pitch to us before they pitched, we sat down with the, the, the pitching committee that they're pitching to, to decide on what is important to us as a group. What are we looking for? And we had a meeting it was like, you know, okay, Emilio, what are you looking for? Uh, Amalia, what are you looking for? Liga, what are you looking for? Right, and then I, you know, wrote all of that down. There's some like consistency, and like some people had some things like it matters to me. I know it doesn't matter to the rest of you, but if they don't have it, we can't go forward. So, okay, fine, we can put that in. We ended up with a judging criteria of, I think it was seven different criteria, and we had a scale of one to ten, mm-hmm. right? Of one being, these guys can't deliver this. You know, no. Mm-hmm. through to 10 of like, Ooh, you need to, you know, do it. Mm-hmm. And then we had a type form that I sent to everybody on the committee after the pitch had happened. And then they, and they, they entered their own, they couldn't see what anybody else had offered. And then we got aggregate, uh, aggregate mm. scores that came out of it. Uh, I also said to them, like, look, after pitches have been delivered, no talking to each other, 
fill in the form and then we can talk to talk each other to but right but like because the moment they start talking to each other they start getting influenced by what each other said yeah. right and yes it's possible that you might have missed something or might have misunderstood something but that's the agency's problem it's not yours mm. so then once we'd had all of the pitches i had this type form results page with you know all of these all of these different things and then like i compiled them into a like mini pitch deck to show the the committee and go okay guys so this is what we saw we saw this we saw this we saw this we saw this and then we'll have a discussion about what we've seen uh you know and logistics and things like these that come into play and you know what we can do but because we had like you know this this agency has the highest overall score this agency is highest on this this agency is highest on that and this agency is highest on on, on this when we break it down that discussion and conversation was actually really quite quick mm. right and we ended up going with the agency with the highest score mm -hmm. um and they in terms of budget they were upper middle but they weren't the most expensive on, on the on the list mm -hmm. they weren't the biggest agency on the list they weren't the most famous uh, agency on the list mm -hmm. that actually they're they are a sub agency of a very famous agency like they're like a boutique element of a of a big one that's just just started out but what we, made them they got us what, the, made them, yeah. what, what made us choose them over everyone else was honestly by then the portfolios are similar right you know by then you've got six beautiful portfolios mm -hmm. of work that you feel really confident that they'd be able to aesthetically deliver what you need them to deliver right uh the level of service honestly is you know it's pretty good by by, by the that communication point. the communication is good really across the the mm -hmm. whole six the differentiator for us became how well did they get the brief mm -hmm. right how well did they identify okay this is the mindset of their users you know and the the, the thing is i said to every agency look i'm not expecting you to come to me with fully fleshed out ideas for like it's not fair Mm. right it's not fair to go to me hey guys pitch me on how you would do this and then i think every agency has seen this at some point right you go pitch right they like your idea but they give it to an agency that charge less money for yeah. it right i absolutely didn't want that to, to to happen it's not fair that we do it that way but inevitably people bring you some ideas right mm -hmm. they're like and that's that's up if i've said to them don't do it but they do it anyway it's their problem yeah um but some of them did they came they came with not fully fleshed out ideas at all they came out with stock pictures and you know some text that they'd added to something not usable at all in any way mm -hmm. shape or form but they got us they got what we were trying to do and i could and the group could really see yeah they they get it and we went with the ones that that we felt yeah. that we felt got it and it's really i thought that was really good because we took price out of it mm -hmm. to to a degree right you don't yeah. just end up going with the cheapest one right um you know it's not like when you select a bottle of wine right and you're like i'm gonna choose the third cheapest one on the menu because i don't mm. want to seem cheap but i you yeah. know also i don't have a huge amount of money so now that you're like quite far in the process yeah. does the the final version look close to the initial pitch or how has it evolved since the the first time you saw it oh there's elements of it that are really similar to i mean our pitch was using our existing visual identity 
and saying, you know. No, I mean the, the thing that they showed you during the pitch. Ah, the thing that they showed us. Yeah. That, that, yeah similar. Yeah. Like, um, certainly in terms of sensibility of the thing, mm -hmm. of the tone and the feel of it, uh, the art direction of it, very close. Mm -hmm. Other bits of it, still, yeah, even that I would say, like, you know, the thing that they pitched to us had green in it because, mm -hmm. um, you know. That's your core color. That's our color at the moment. Like, we said when we delivered the brief, like, do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Like, we're not particularly attached to green, but they were like, we like the fact that you have a color. We don't like the tone of green mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that you have. We, um, but we want to stay green. And mm -hmm. that's what they had in their pitch. And right. what we're doing now will have a green in it. For example. Can you elaborate on the process during the, the, the whole project? Like how often do you meet and how is the, the oral communication going on? So that was also a point of differentiation is that we asked each agency to tell us their process. Mm -hmm. Because, for example, our head of product design, very concerned about what their process would be. Mm -hmm. So, and actually everyone's processes were quite different in, in places. Mm, um, interesting. Like, yeah, like some agencies are a much more kind of, they come at it from a product angle. So they're very like testing and sprints and that kind of thing which mm -hmm. you know is music to the ears of your of your product team yeah some are a little bit more marketing driven right so it's like you know we'll do this then and we'll do that and then we'll you know like mm -hmm. so there's some differences uh there for me what's important is that that whatever approach it is that you take it's structured mm -hmm. right that it's not just like machine gun and just fire everything everywhere and hope that it works so, but uh, all six had a structure to the to what they what they brought back to us. So, in terms of the who we actually went with and uh, how often uh, at the beginning of it, a lot. Mm -hmm. Like I was speaking to them three times a week, right? And we're having check ins on things uh, a lot, right? Uh, our discovery part of of the visual upgrade was less than others because we'd already done such a huge amount of work speaking mm -hmm. to users that i didn't i didn't want the agency going and having long long interviews without you because i've got those on tape anyway yeah right just go listen to them like because scheduling meetings can yeah add Take weeks forever. onto your yeah. process so it's like don't bother with that just go listen to those ones um, so that was a little bit kind of curtailed, but yeah, the beginning of the process a lot. Now that we're kind of more towards the end, less. Mm -hmm. Now it's check-ins, mm -hmm. right? And honestly, I skip them sometimes. It's more like the art director and the designer who I trust okay. on my team. I'll go into them and, and they're checking on very small details of what one Figma file has mm -hmm. over another and whether or not the specs of it are da, 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 da. Yeah, of But when it was at the ideation and the concept of the visual identity and the core elements of the visual, a lot, like, you know, sometimes twice a day, mm -hmm. I was checking in, checking in with them, uh, especially if I feel that it's not right, mm -hmm. right? If it's not, if it's not what we wanted it to be and not where we, you know, like then, like, you know, Friday night I would call them and go like I remember one part in the process there was uh, you know a couple of elements of the visual direction and according to our timeline we needed to present to our senior leadership team uh, and the senior leadership team are super excited to see what's happening right and they're asking me about it all of the time and I'm like it's happening on May 1st it's happening on May 1st 
uh, and then like it's the Friday night before May 1st and and like I remember going, this is not ready and I just you know just called them and said guys I'm pushing that meeting back a week or two weeks if we have to because it's not ready mm-hmm. so at that point you know it's a morning meeting <laughs> it's an afternoon check-in it's a mm-hmm. phone call in the, in the evening and I think on that stuff you'll know how often you need to check in with them from how mm-hmm. well it's going and like we kept the the committee that we had right the committee that helps the selection you can't have all of those seven senior stakeholders involved in every part of your process sure. we went from seven to a working group of three mm-hmm. but i kept the committee quite close and i would show them stuff that was coming out of it and you know if the feedback from them wasn't universally good then we needed to tweak something and go back now that you're close to launching that thing how do you structure the implementation phase mm-hmm. Uh, we have a timeline, uh, we have a, l- a long list of elements that need to be done, which mm-hmm. we had at the beginning part of the process, right? So it's going to be a longer process, not just like one day and then uh, everything's Well, I mean, changed. I mean, no, I mean, for in terms of the people who go, go see it, it'll be a light switch moment. Mm-hmm. But for us, it's a long drawn out like to get you know, to that day to get to that day. So we have a long list of stuff. And I don't mind admitting that the list that we had when we started is wasn't long enough. Mm-hmm. Right? There's extra elements that you find and you discover and things you haven't considered that you, 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 you need to do. So yeah, mm-hmm. we start with the list, right? Like this is all of the things that we need to do. Then you have a look at what resources you have, right? In order to make that list happen, mm-hmm. you estimate how long those resources can work their way through that list with the other stuff that they have to do. And then you'll come out with a target date of when you can, when you think you can mm-hmm. have it. And then company throws other stuff at you that you weren't expecting to do and you have to push your date back a little bit. And, you know, it happens like that. But yeah. The most important thing for us is to have that comprehensive list of every single element that you that can be changed. There are honestly there are some that I'm like, we're not changing that right now. Like the letterhead, right? That the legal team use. Mm-hmm. Like they yeah, can use the old logo for three weeks longer than everyone else does. Like, yeah. you know, you'll find your bits that are not super Michigan critical to change mm-hmm. right now. But like, yeah, we have that list and that list is coded into must change, must change, can be changed later. Mm-hmm. Why do we even have this asset at all? <laughs> like okay. it can be deleted and taken out of the equation. If you would have to do it again, like what, what would be the things you would do differently or, or not do at all or do more of? I think I would... Hmm. It's, a, it's a good question. I think I'd like to get a better handle on that list earlier, like of everything that, that needs actually, to be needed, changed. actually needs to be changed and um, have, you know, carve out time for other people, other stakeholders to check that list a little bit more thoroughly. Because mm-hmm. as if that list grows, your timeline grows and mm-hmm. then your, the perception of your operational efficiency changes, right? So that i think is the core thing i mean it's the the third time i've been through this kind of uh a process and i i'm 
quite happy to say that like the second time we did it, I learned a lot. And this time I've been able to implement most of that, mm -hmm. most of that learning. So like for me, for example, previously I learned that um, what you call the project is a really important thing. If mm. you go around calling your project a rebrand internally, internally, if you go around calling it a rebrand, you'll stir up all kinds of emotions right like you'll you'll get like uh you'll say it to the marketing team the marketing team will be yeah we need a rebrand oh it's awesome let's do it you'll say it to the engineers and the engineers will be like oh okay have you considered like the operational efficiency of how long this is going to take you say it to the finance team and the finance team is rebrand over my dead body Right, like I've I've had that happen to me. Literally, I've had a CFO write to me over my dead body, like with full stops between them, because uh, he and his previous company at that time, uh, who actually have a gorgeous visual identity, if you ask me, but uh, he'd been through that process and he was like, it took eighteen months. It cost us an absolute fortune, and I never really saw what the benefit of it was. Right, super analytical mm -hmm. finance guy. Right, so you're going to have those differing reactions and actually what we did you know what's a rebrand right do you have to change the logo for a rebrand do you have to change the name for a rebrand right everybody has a different idea of what a rebrand means right yeah. for some people if you keep the same name that is not a rebrand right for some people if you don't change the logo that's not a rebrand i so honestly this time i didn't use the word rebrand like when i pitched it and wanted to do it like i was like this is a visual upgrade as part of our brand story and then people are like, okay whatever but you know now actually that they've you know because we have internally circulated what our new uh, visuals are going to look like now everyone's calling it the rebrand right even though i've never used that word right but they have obviously decided oh okay it's different enough that we can call it the rebrand now Right. Even, you know, like, for example, we're not changing our name. Right. That's yeah. that's staying the same. So it's it's a small thing, but I found it incredibly important for the success of the project because you'll spend too much of your time kind of defending the fact that you even need a rebrand, even though the thing you're doing is kind of not or that it's an upgrade or like Wait. so just like find a name for it that doesn't upset as many people and like call it that, right? Like, yeah. cause you know, honestly, if you call it a, a visual upgrade or a visual identity system upgrade, there's a bunch of people who, you know, uh, initially won't even know what that means. Hmm. So they won't, they won't be upset by yeah. the fact that you're doing it. Do you have any plans and, and vision how you can measure the success of the project after it's completed and implemented? Yeah, we, we, we do. I don't want to go into like a lot of detail on what they are because they're kind of very kind of personal and individualistic mm -hmm. for us. But do you expect some setback initially from like because it's something new or you expect We've done a lot of testing throughout this process. Right. So from that micro testing I talked to about mm -hmm. earlier to broadening our testing to quantitative testing, mm -hmm. like throughout the creation of this visual identity, we've tested a lot of elements. Can of you it. expand on that? Like, how did you do that? The whole landing pages um, with the new identity, with the new identity, just running Facebook ads and Facebook ads, LinkedIn ads, uh, at, not where I am now at previous place, uh, Facebook ads. Uh, SEO based landing pages, right? Like these and you compare it to the previous A/B identity tests. or two new ones? We both, 
right? So you have A, B, C. So like you've got uh, existing as your control, B, new version one, new version, uh, C, new version mm -hmm. two. And then when you're actually really sure on what the visual identity you want it to be, testing visual identity against visual identity, no copy changes, then some copy changes here and there, layouts. Mm -hmm. We are having three rounds of testing on some pages, right? Mm -hmm. so, just to see. And did you go for the one that had the highest score or just a part of the decision? We, I know the one with the high score wins, okay. yeah, for, for sure. In terms and the of the sample size of like how many people did you include? until it's until it's statistically significant, right? Like mm -hmm. you as the brand person mm -hmm. can't make that decision. Like we have a conversion rate of um, specialist on on our, and he tells me if they won or not. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not allowed to make that decision. Okay. I don't look at the numbers and like his his job is you know full-time analyst on the numbers on on the pages and he mm -hmm. tells me if it's a winner or a loser right not not me it's it's mm -hmm. statistically significant we, and we picked pages with high amounts of traffic so you can get that result quickly mm -hmm. because you know we had the new visual identity out on landing pages for know, three weeks so you might mm -hmm. have stumbled across it and seen it yeah or, or, or already Right, and the moment someone sees it, like you risk the, it's not consistent. Da, 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 or like having a screenshot and posting it, and posting yeah. it, whatever. Like which you know, people I think honestly are necessarily scared of, but they are scared of yeah. that, that happening. But we picked high traffic, so mm -hmm. okay, a lot of people will see it, but the time is relatively short, so we can, yeah, we can we can turn it off. There's also some pages that you absolutely can't run those experiments. Like you can't do it on your homepage. Yeah. Right? Like I had my data guy saying to me, let's run it on the homepage. We'll get the best, most statistically. I'm like, no, guys. Like then the cat is out of the bag. Yeah. Right. Like it, then it's done. It's over. So mm -hmm. absolutely no, we're, we're, we're not doing that. One thing I like, because we just kind of touched on it a little bit there that I want to, to, to mention on it, on consistency and inconsistency that I see brand people get really like worked up about it right like it has to be completely consistent everywhere and i think perhaps there was a time when that was was true but in this digital internet age that we're living in at the moment everyone is experimenting or like like i know go look at facebook or any of these big brands they're trying something out like a like a, a slightly different color on the heading or mm -hmm. something here the user base is used to a slight amount of variation on, on, on things. I think you're, you're for your own kind of mental health, if more than anything else, if you're just sitting and going, you know, is the, is the shade of this color absolutely 100% consistent over, you know, is the Pantone matching on this asset that the sales team are using over here? You'll drive yourself insane mm. doing that, doing that stuff. Of course, if you know that stuff is seasoned, it's easy to correct. Go, go correct it. But actually, what you should really be doing is investing in having an amazing, high-quality brand story and visual identity that goes with it. And then you'll find people won't go off brand because they believe in the story and they love the identity mm -hmm. and they'll strive to stay on, on brand. If you try and police it from the other way, you know, like, you know, you'll become a policeman, right? And then it's, you know, it's difficult to, difficult to police everything at all, all times. It's much better for you to kind of give them something that they love using and then they'll go use it in the, in the right way. Just give the general guidelines. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, and give general guidelines and a story and an ethos and a tone that people in your company who have to use it get and love. Mm. And then they'll follow it because they get it and they love it. But if you dictate it to them, they'll be like, well, no, I can't. Salespeople do that all the time. They're like, I can do this. And they do it that way. Right. So thank you. It's, it's been really, really interesting to, to hear the process you've been going through. That's it for today, and thank you for listening. If you find these topics interesting and valuable, feel free to subscribe to Aesthetic Podcast at YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. You can also write us at hello at and let's build impactful brands together.